0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Five Hole Taxi Squad Fantasy Hockey Podcast presented by the Five Hole Fantasy Hockey Team. We are back once again for fresh fairs, the fire, ice, and hope from week two that we want to bring to you in the fastest cab ride ever. So let's start up the fairs and let's get into it. Welcome everybody. We I am your host. Craig from the five hole taxi squad. I am riding solo here today on the van cab, October 23rd. There's a lot of room in here, so don't mind if I stretch out. And today we are going to take you through fresh fares from week two in fantasy hockey and take you through what fired us up here at the squad. What left us a little bit ice cold sitting in a cold tub after week two, searching for answers and what's given us some hope from the ongoings of week two and maybe a little bit of frustrations uh trickled into the that hope there and i think we'll end off today's episode just because we are now entering into week three of hockey action and fantasy action we'll leave you with a little bit of a deep streamers uh, for you to uh, maximize your schedule and games played against your opponent with the some of the deeper pieces that might be available on your waiver wires right now from the teams with the best schedules for week three. So let's dive right in here and let's talk about what fired us up from week two's action. And we want to start off by giving a huge shout out to our boy, my boy, the taxi squad potential for this year. Jackie Hughes. This man is on a completely other level to start the season. Through four games played, he has four goals, six assists, 10 points, two power play goals, five power play assists, 22 shots on goal, and is shooting 18.2% currently. He is averaging 22.57 time on ice through those four games, which is almost up full a full three minutes from last year and his tops on the team with 67% of the power play share this should be to nobody's surprise obviously Jack Hughes is the devil's best player uh, and to see him finally getting you know the prime minutes of an elite player his offensive op- output is going up even if his shooting percentage is a little bit unsustainable and it regresses back down to somewhere between 11 and 13%. I still think that this pace is maintainable, and maintainable from his end. He is basically carrying a team that's off to a hit-or-miss offensive start to start the year with... You know, some of the new faces in Timo Meyer and Tyler Toffoli really still trying to find their legs and their, their space and fit within how this team is rolling their lines and rolling their power plays. But this output through two weeks has left Jack Hughes third in the league in scoring overall, leading the league in points per game at two and a half. This is an insane 82-game pace of 205 points. Obviously, he is not going to do that, but I think we are in the realities of outcomes that Jack Hughes is going to break 100 points this year as long as he can stay healthy, and the boys at the taxi squad here will touch wood to hope that that happens for all of us fantasy hockey fans out there. Jack Hughes owners out there and hockey fans in general, because this kid is just outstanding right now and not to wish any ill will to Connor McDavid, but with this minor injury that we all hope in the hockey world that he comes back quickly from, but being absent for one to two weeks and with the output that we're seeing from Jack Hughes, I think this gives him a little bit of a opportunity to push towards potentially being a viable and realistic heart candidate at the end of the year. And I think at this point with this pace and this output and the, the level he seems to be elevating his game at, it's reasonable to think that he could finish top three in scoring, especially with McDavid you know, hopefully not missing any more than two weeks with this uh, undisclosed upper body injury that he has. But I th- also think that with Jack Hughes now playing on a whole other level, regardless of if it regresses slightly or not, I think what can make it even more sustainable for him is some of those pieces, like I mentioned in the in Toffoli, Meyer, off to a bit, bit of a slow start. He's going to ultimately elevate The pieces around him and as long as he's you know they're seeing you know even peripheral time with jack hughes playing at this level i think it just makes those that are owning the the devil's pieces that are off to a slow start give gives you guys definite hope in terms of them coming regressing back to the mean and and being the players we hoped that they could be coming out of drafts so now the second thing that fired us up from week two and i think this is maybe just fired us up at the taxi squad in general over the first two weeks of the season is the exciting youth movement uh, looks in the NHL right now. And in fantasy hockey, the exciting 2023 rookie class, you know, that quote unquote race to the cult, the Calder has been from the eye test, even from the numbers and from deployment has been exceptionally exciting with the le- obviously Connor Bedard leading the way and, you know, carrying the offensive output from the chicago blackhawks standpoint but you also have logan cooley averaging over 19 minutes time on ice playing with the likes of nick schmoltz clayton keller and barrett hayton in arizona looking very very much like he is ready to make an impact leo carlson with the anaheim ducks looked great through his first two games also averaging north of 18 minutes time on ice For whatever reason, Anaheim decided to healthy scratch him on Sunday because they're monitoring his minutes and time played in the first half of the season, apparently, according to the GM. So free Leo Carlson, like we mentioned on quick But again, another player that's looked very impressive in his NHL debut also scored his first goal on a nice two-on-one with Troy Terry later in Week 2. And then another mention of an exciting rookie that this squad has been keeping their eye on is now the PP1 quarterback in Anaheim. Pavel Michikov has looked exceptionally strong, both in his own end and at, and on the man advantage, you know, alongside with Leo, Leo Carlson, Trevor Zegris, Troy Terry. And he's just really looked the part as that high capital young defenseman. And uh, I, we definitely can see the upside there uh, for the Ducks as a whole. And then you have Adam Fantilli, who also scored his first uh, NHL goal on Saturday night with the Columbus Blue Jackets, looking also ready to make an impact this year in, from a fantasy standpoint and in the NHL uh, with the Columbus Blue Jackets. I think he has also an opportunity to see his time on ice increase as the season goes on, and even in the short term with the day-to-day status right now of Patrick Liney, who didn't, uh, in fact, practice today. Uh, so that just, you know, boosts Fantilli's value in leagues even more. And then Luke Hughes, the New Jersey Devils, getting a lot of deployment on the man advantage. We just talked about Jack Hughes and uh, his level of play through two weeks. Uh, Luke Hughes looks the part. Uh, He's even taking power play time away from Dougie Hamilton. I think this young man looks definitely primed to make an impact from the back end and on the point and the power play in New Jersey. And then Matthew Nyes, you saw his impact on the Leafs during week two as well uh, when he gets an opportunity to play up in the lineup. And hopefully that continues. But I think the the message from the taxi squad on the rookie class here is they are here and very much so in the conversation for fantasy, whether that's from a streaming standpoint or a hold standpoint in redraft leagues. You may even want to put some of these guys on your radar in keeper leagues um, if they're available on the waivers or through trades you know, some of them look, you know, primed and ready already to make an impact, you know, as they kind of all look to chase down Connor Bedard for the Calder uh, at year end. So we're all fired up. We're ready to go. It's been spicy talking about Jack Hughes and the Devils and the exciting rookie class of 2023. But now we're back into the deep plunge of the ice bath. Yeah, it's good for you. It helps your joints feel good. It's it's a little bit shocking when you get into, but when you get out of it, you're just like, damn, I'm cold. This is uncomfortable. Actually, when you get into it, you're like, damn, I'm cold. This is uncomfortable. But there are a few teams that we wanted to talk about just from week two, just through two weeks of the season that are still leaving that cold feeling from a fantasy standpoint and from a hockey standpoint for our fantasy general managers out there. But before I you know, name those teams, we just want it to be based on last year's performance There's five teams here that we'll go over quickly. So three out of the five teams here were playoff teams last year. Four out of the five teams that we'll discuss were in the top six last year in goals four. And three out of the five teams had top 10 power play units last year. And through two weeks, the teams that have left fantasy managers and hockey fans feeling a little like it's mid-February in Canada and it's now minus twenty-five with a wind chill. Are the Florida Panthers, the Buffalo Sabers, the Seattle Kraken, the Edmonton Oilers, and definitely the Washington Capitals? Now the Florida Panthers, through five games, are twenty-fourth in league standings, twentieth in league in the league, in goals four per game, and they have the twenty-fifth-ranked power play only operating at a 10% efficiency clip in terms of scoring. We've talked about the Sabres a couple of times in some of our other episodes, but the Sabres through five games are 26th in the league standings, 25th in the league in goals four and 29th. And they have the 29th ranked power play in the league, only operating at a 6.25% clip right now. With the goal-scoring pedigree that's in both of these teams, it's good Lord, that's not good. The Seattle Kraken, six games played, 28th in the league standings, 30th in the league in goals for 18th ranked power play, which is improved from week one, which is a good sign of life for their offense. 18th ranked power play operating at a 16.67% clip. The Edmonton Oilers threw five games, 29th in league standings, 23rd in the league in Gold's four. As usual, they look absolutely elite and outstanding on the power play already being fifth ranked in power play efficiency, you know, scoring at a 30% clip on the man advantage. And then the team that's leaving everybody ice cold um, is the aging Washington Capitals. Through four games played, they are 30th in the league standings. They are last in the league in goals for and last in the league in power play efficiency yet to score on the man advantage. Yikes. So what does this mean ultimately for fantasy and what do we, we at the Taxi Squad think is going to happen with these teams moving forward? Look, Florida has had up and down from a scoring standpoint you know you've had an extremely hot sp- start from the likes of evan rodriguez uh, sam reinhardt barkoff has been okay Verhegi's off to a slow start i think this team is going to be fine they are one of the teams that were in the playoffs last year they were also in the top six in goals four last year uh, and they'd had the 10th ranked power play if i'm not mistaken. Obviously, not having Montour and Ekblad to start the season has hurt their offensive output. You know, OEL, as much as he's their power play one quarterback and has an, had, had an okay start to the season, and you definitely want to be rostering him, maybe not this week because they only have two games, but he just isn't making that offensive impact that Montour has had done last year. We think here at the squad, this team's going to be fine. You know, Parkoff is a point-per-game player, if not above that. Verhage had a great season last year and should be pushing for that thirty goals, sixty-five to seventy-point ceiling that he has playing with alongside Barkoff and and the likes of Reinhardt. So I think this team's going to be fine. They just need to you know really wake up. They look like they're pretty sleepy still, and you know obviously missing two key pieces in Montour, who you should look to stash if he if somebody's not already stashing him in your leagues, and Ekblad not being present uh, at least for another month. Is definitely hurting them offensively. The Sabers, uh, yeah, still hurting to score. Obviously, based on you know what we just said. Again, we do believe that this team is going to be fine. They had the fifth-ranked power play last year. They were top five in scoring overall. I think you know there's pedigree here. In Tage Thompson, Skinner, and Alex Tuck in their top line, Dylan Cousin had a great season last year. Casey Middlestad is a fine depth piece for them, even from a fantasy standpoint. Especially this week, um, with four games played and three off nights, this team bounces back. Edmonton, I'm not gonna. We're not gonna spend a lot of time on here. They're gonna be just fine. They have two best, two of the best players on the planet, if not the two best players on the planet, in McDavid and Drysidle. It kind of hurts them a little bit that McDavid is going to be out for two, up to two weeks. Hopefully, not that long for everybody in the fantasy hockey world and the hockey world. But you know, with strong supporting pieces in Zach Hyman, Ryan Nugent-Hopkins, and Evander Kane, this team will bounce back. Look at their power play already ranked fifth uh, overall. Disgusting on the man advantage. They're certainly going to bounce back at even strength offensively very, very soon, especially when Connor McDavid comes back from his injury. Now the two teams that are showing the most ice cold out of the gate and should be quite concerning for those that hold any of their pieces uh, from a fantasy standpoint are the Seattle Kraken and the Washington Capitals. We'll start with the Seattle Kraken, you know, the reigning Calder winner there in Maddie Beneers. 40-goal scorer in Jared McCann, off to a very slow start. Seen him dropped in multiple leagues. Same with Baneers as well, actually. And they just lost arguably their third-best offensive player, if not their second-best offensive player in Andre Barakowski for six to eight weeks uh, with an injury. And they've played the most games out of these teams. Uh, Their small sample size is certainly turning into a concernable trend especially for a team that other than probably vince dunn and adam larson in categories leagues doesn't necessarily have a true hold for fantasy managers at this point especially even more so with them off to this slow start it's just something to keep an eye on especially for those still holding jared mccann and maddie benears i think they'll be bouncing back but like really what's their ceiling 65 points and then the other peripheral pieces, I still think this is a team that, you know, has an opportunity to be of value for you out there in, fan, in the fantasy world as, uh, you know, a prime streaming team. But their offensive output, other than Vince Dunn, looking pretty impressive, uh, still is pretty concerning at this point. And then hopefully, you know, with that little pulse of life on their power play improving from week one to week two from a a bottom third power play to a middle tier power play hopefully that is a little bit of a you know an opportunity for them to bounce back and having have more value for you from a fantasy standpoint and a value above replacement uh, for those on of those individuals that you might be looking to replace on your bench but right now i think The Kraken is a watch it, wait and see and see if they can actually start scoring again at the same clip as they did last year. And, you know, stream them when you need them. Don't hold them while you got them from the Seattle Kraken. The Washington Capitals. Now, this is an interesting story because this is probably not what a lot of people expected with the likes of John Carlson, Alexander Ovechkin, Dylan Strome coming off of a hot finish last year even Tom Wilson being still, you know, a viable piece, uh, the the finish that Rasmus Sandin happened, being, you know, 30th overall in league standing, last in goals four and last in power play efficiency. Definitely not the start that, uh, you know, I'm sure the Washington Capitals were hoping for, but definitely those that own their prime pieces in fantasy were hoping for. I would say this is probably a... I think everybody would agree with me out there and I know the squad would that Ovechkin is going to be fine. It's just unfortunate that the team around him looks to be, you know, skating in mud. Uh, But even he's not really shooting at his normal clip nor hitting at his normal clip. Um, So one has to wonder if this aging team, Ovechkin aside, is actually starting to show its Age. I know they have some young pieces around them that are starting to kind of find their way into their top nine, but this is not a very good sign. Yes, small sample side with, with only four games played through two weeks, but team that has goal scoring pedigree and, you know, one of the best goal scorers of our generation in Ovechkin, you know, one of the best power play quarterbacks in the league when he's healthy in John Carlson, it's going to be interesting to see how this team bounces back and see what kind of scoring acumen they can bring forward from a fantasy standpoint because they're in a very tough eastern conference it's going to be tough sledding for them but i think it's also you know all of these teams have some buy low opportunities maybe the oilers aside but definitely the sabers and the capitals from an ovechkin standpoint a john carlson standpoint even a tom wilson standpoint these are all, you know, Sabers, Tage Thompson, Stuart Skinner, Alex Tuck, Dylan Cousins, even Rasmus Dahlin at this point. All buy low. The buy low window on the Sabers and the Capitals specifically is definitely wide open. If you can capitalize on that in your leagues with the GMs that own these pieces, I think the other teams, you know, like I said, Kraken. Streaming viability there probably only at this point, unfortunately, other than Vince Dunn. Maybe you can buy low on him. You know, the Panthers have some pieces, obviously, Matty Kachuk and Andre Barkov that are just going to be just fine and are, you know, off to oh, just fine starts. So I'm not sure there's any buy low opportunities there. But yeah, the Capitals for me and the Sabers for me are definitely the buy low window is wide open. Go see what you can get in deals. Whether uh, you have some hot players that you think are unsustainable on your roster, and you want to maybe flip them for some of these guys that you know were are elite or were elite last year and are definitely going to bounce back uh, in the coming weeks. <laughs> All right, so what does that take us into? Okay, so what gave us hope from this week two uh, here at the, the Five Hole Taxi Squad? Well, let me stretch out here and just... Although they're still struggling to score, uh, at least from the eye test itself, watching several of their games over the first two weeks, especially in week two with the debut of Leo Carlson, the Anaheim Ducks have given us hope here at the uh, taxi squad. Not that they're going to do anything outstanding or, you know, push for a playoff spot in the Western Conference, but I think there is going to be an opportunity for much more fantasy hockey relevance from this team because of their young pieces and a couple of the individuals on this team currently or through two weeks through week two, elevating their level of play uh, and even their deployment uh, versus last year. So, you know, obviously a very exciting top line when Leo Carlson isn't getting pushed into the press box to manage his minutes. This is not the NBA. Come on, let the young man continue his uh, development on the ice. Uh, he's only like 19 years old. He doesn't need to rest his legs. But, you know, you have a re-signed Trevor Zegras that should find his legs over the next week or so. Uh, missing camp, Troy Terry looked great with Carlson over the two games that they played together. I mentioned Pavel Mich- Michikov already looking great on the back end and PP1 quarterback. But the other three that have been very good to start the season especially from a fantasy standpoint, depending on your league scoring, is Frank Veccherano and Mason McTavish and Ryan Strom. All three are dual eligible, Frank Veccherano and Mason McTavish being center and left wing eligible. All play together on the second line. Uh, Ryan Strom is left wing and right wing eligible. But all of them, all three of them, you know, Frank Veccherano and Mason McTavish specifically have been leading the Ducks in ice time. Uh, so far, through um, their opening game schedule, and all of them have been doing a little bit of everything: shooting the puck, blocks, hits, and you know offensive upside in terms of Mason. All three of them, really, but Mason McTavish and Ryan Strom have power play one deployment with Carlson, Terry, Zegris and Michikov. And Frank Veterrano has just been on fire to start the season at even strength. It'll be interesting to see if he can sniff power play one at any point and add some value beyond what he can do at even strength. But I think Frank Veterrano is definitely somebody you want in terms of depth winger uh, on your fantasy team, especially in categories leagues, based on how he has started to perform. Uh, to start the year he's looking like a bonafide as we here at the taxi squad call them a big beautiful winger that opportunity only goes up if he can find a more power play time with this young up-and-coming ducks team and if they can get owen zellweger called up which i think he will get some run i think that even adds more excitement to this team offensively whether they score at a greater clip than they did last year I, i think that's Certainly in the realm of realities here because they were so poor at scoring, but I think just makes them you know these pieces uh, specifically that we're talking about, Jamie Drysdale and Cam Fowler, you know, I think are in another a lower tier than these pieces. But there's some exciting possible fantasy relevance and opportunity here for you general managers out there from the Anaheim Ducks this year, especially with them having the most. Uh, off nights as a team across the whole whole season. Uh, it just makes it more viable if it, they're exciting to watch and actually contributing from a fantasy standpoint. So yeah, don't forget about the Ducks when you're looking for viable streamers. There's some really nice pieces there and then several of them performing at a high level uh, currently to open the season. Our final topic on Fresh Fairs, Deep Streamers for Week 3 let's dive in here uh with our first streamer with matthew phillips this guy's not even owned currently in yahoo he is center only but he's playing on the wing on line one power play two in washington with ovechkin they have four games uh this week three off nights and he's getting almost 30 percent power play share as I said in the, you know, the ice bath or earlier, Ovi's going to bounce back and anybody playing with him, you know, has a little bit of a raised stock in my mind. And if you can get them four, three off nights, that's just going to help you maximize your schedule and games played against your opponent this week. He's one of the few on Washington to open the season actually putting any sort of points on the board currently. Number two on the deep streamers for week three, Andre Palat, left wing only, 4% own from the New Jersey Devils. He's on line two, power play two. They also have four games played this this week with three off nights. He's getting over just over 40% power play share. He plays at even strength with Nico Heischer, Jesper Bratt. So definitely some upside there. He doesn't do a whole lot other than uh, that point upside. Same with our second our third deep streamer of the of week three, uh, Kalen Addison, defenseman, seven percent owned from the Minnesota Wild. He's on PP one. They have four games this week, and he they play uh, on two off nights. Look, this guy does nothing other than the points upsides with playing with the elite players uh, in Minnesota, in Kirill Kaprizov and Matt Zuccarello. Uh, but he is getting he's leading the team in power play share at seventy two percent. Uh, So PP1 quarterback that Jade always talks about, very readily available for you to stream uh, this week, especially with two off nights. Uh, So if you need some defensive help, go check it out and uh, see if you can fit him into your lineup, especially in those off nights. I don't even know how to say this guy's name, but I've streamed him a few times already to start the year. But Jonas Siegenthaler from the New Jersey Devils, 13% owned. He's on the top pairing with uh, Dougie Hamilton. Uh, He's definitely approaching you know big boy banger junior status he has hitting and blocking one hit per game and two blocks per game to start the season he's logging over 20 minutes time on ice at even strength he's definitely they also like i mentioned with palat they have four games played in three off nights so if you need somebody in a categories league that can help you in hits and blocks this guy's definitely viable for a pickup And then last but not least, Eric Halla. He looks like he'd be back from his injuries where he was a little bit banged up last week. He's center left wing eligible. He's 10% own. He's on line three and practicing in his normal 3C spot today, actually, based on some of the beat writer reports that I read on Twitter slash X earlier on. He's averaging through the Devils' opening schedule, three shots on goal, one and 1.5 hits per game, you know, approaching big, big, beautiful winger status here on the taxi squad as well. So definitely somebody that can help you with hits and shots on goal in a categories league and also has a little bit of sneaky uh, point upside as he has started on a point-per-game pace at even strength as a peripheral scorer for the Devils to start the 2023-2024 season. That's not going to maintain. Obviously, he's going to regress, but, you know, ride him as, well, he's hot from the Hawkeye check-in standpoint. All right. Well, we did it. We've wrapped fresh fares. I hope this helps you guys. Uh, From a fantasy standpoint out there, I hope you've enjoyed the listen from the Five Hole Taxi Squad. As always, thank you for listening. Please subscribe, like, and give us five stars wherever you get your podcasts. Join us in the Five Hole Fantasy Hockey Discord if you're not already in there. Lots of like-minded fantasy hockey people talking all things fantasy hockey now that the regular season is out and humming. Also talking all things life in general and just having fun with one another Uh, All the taxi squad drivers are in there too. If we have any taxi squad or any fantasy hockey related questions about your squads, reach out to us through Twitter, which you can find on in the show notes or reach out to us uh, directly in the five hole fantasy hockey discord and we're happy to answer any of the questions you have to the best of our abilities. And also, if you haven't listened to it already, Mike Rogerson just released over the weekend, episode four of his limited series, uh, the five-hole fantasy hockey guide. So check that out, especially if you're new to hockey, uh, fantasy hockey or a new commissioner in a fantasy hockey league. Definitely a lot of helpful tips there. So... Thank you again. Once again, we will sign off and park the van cab. We'll turn off the fares. The full squad will be back, Alan and Jay and myself specifically, for the week three preview by midweek this week. And then we will hit you guys up with the, or sorry, the week three weekend preview by midweek this week. And then we'll hit you guys up uh, by the end of the week with the week four preview as well. So lots more to come from the taxi squad and stay tuned. Thanks for listening goodbye for now we're parking the van cab and we will see you next time it's all love